Good morning, Mission View. One of the things that I love about our church uh, is that we pray for other churches. You know, we look at other like-minded churches in our area, and it's been a habit that Pastor Steve ingrained in us from the beginning, that we think about ourselves not as the body of Christ all by ourselves, but a part of the body of Christ at large. We are a local church. There are things we do well. There are things we do probably better than others. There are things that other churches do better than us. But fortunately, the body of Christ is big. Our God is big. And he's, he wants us to work together to, to reach the kingdom and to reach people in our community. You, what you may not know is Pastor Steve, from the very beginning, prior to the launch of Mission View, he was meeting with local pastors to say, we're going to start a church called Mission View, Bible Church, and here's what we're about. How can we work together? From the very beginning, before there was a Mission View, Steve was meeting with people to say, how can we collaborate? How can we cooperate? And, uh, and as a result of that, we are a part of something larger than ourselves. So when Pastor Steve was sick, uh, and now has passed, there have been a multitude of pastors who have said, I want to come preach at Mission View. How can I help you? What can we do to help you do what you're trying to do going forward? And in the middle of a tragedy, beautiful things have happened because we've reaped what we've sown. We are part of something bigger. We're not alone. Certainly, we have the support of our sending church in Maranatha, but we have the support of other churches around us. So more than a month ago, probably two months ago, we had scheduled for the month of April for three of these outside pastors to come in and preach to us. So today, we're going to have one of those, and that's Taylor Williams, who we've had a couple times before. You guys all have loved him, so I'm going to give you a chance to show that in a minute. But next week, we also have Ryan Johnson from the chapel in North Canton, who will be preaching for us, and then Tom Hogshead from the Summit Church will be here the week after that. So this, I know we just said Craig is going to be our guy. Craig is our guy, but this was scheduled a couple months ago for this to happen. And honestly, as a person who's been around the work of the Lord for a long time, it's a beautiful thing to see what's happening in the support of others coming to help us. So let's, let's uh, welcome Taylor Williams to be our preacher this morning. Hey, Mission View. Hey, that's uh, an uh, awesome intro. He, uh, you, it was a quote. He said, you guys all love me, right? <laughs> that was, that's what he said. So, I mean, like, I'm going to take it as a uh, truth, so we'll go with it. Um, yeah, time will tell with that, right? Like a uh, half hour, you'll know. Um, hey, why don't you do me a favor real quick? Last week was Easter. Amen? Yeah. Good, good, uh, good Sunday. Game changer. Amen? So here's to do this for me. Uh, maybe the person beside you, I'm not going to make you say hi to like eight people or anything like that, because I know some of you are, how many introverts do we have in here? Introverts? Hey, good job raising your hand, though. That was, <laughs> that's impressive. Usually it's like, I'm not even raising. Uh, how many extroverts do we have? Yeah, usually you guys clap, because you're just like, I get to talk. Um, look to the person beside you, behind you, and just say this, Jesus is this to me, and fill in the blank. Jesus is blank to me. Two minutes, go. Jesus is what? Blank to me. All right. Hopefully, uh, 
hopefully everyone got to say something. If you're new to a uh, church world and you're kind of new to Christianity, hopefully uh, you were able just to make something up and uh, go with it. And, um, you know, I, I started that way intentionally, church, because it's so often we can come into a gathering like this and we can be like, man, you know, uh, uh, we're going to sing here in a minute, like, holy, 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 and, and um, all these incredible songs about how good Jesus is uh, and how good God is, yet something inside of us is kind of like not fully there. And something inside of us is kind of like saying, you know, truth be told, I'm singing this with my mouth, but there's a huge gap in my spirit right now about what I'm singing. And this week, we get a chance to kind of talk about that gap. And uh, it's not the easiest message in the world. I kind of feel like uh, uh, Steve is in heaven right now, kind of chuckling right now about the passage that I've been tasked to preach. Uh, because I was telling my wife, this is not like the easiest and the most fun text. Um, but I, I kind of like the challenge and to see what God wants to do with it. Let me ask another question. How many of you are fighters in here? Any fighters? How many? <laughs> yeah, you guys are like on it. You're like, I'm just raising my hand. Bowl. How many people hate fighting? Like, just, I avoid it at all costs, all right? So, so um, in a fight, you're either, like, all in, and you guys know who you are. A, a, like, a Facebook post drops, a tweet goes down, and you're just like, let's do this. You know who you are, and you just, like, go crazy, like, huge threads of trying to, like, argue and win your case. For those of us that aren't fighters, what do we do when those things drop? We're like, oh my goodness, delete, block that person. I want nothing to do with them. And we run and we flee and we have nothing to do with it. There's another genre of fighters in here. How, and you know who you are and probably the person beside you is going to have to like nudge you. How many of you have a little passive aggressiveness in you? Yeah, you, you guys are the sneaky ones. You're the ones that are like, I'm not a fighter, but you know how to take people down, don't you? And you say it's a spiritual gift. Let me tell you, it's not, all right? It is not. It is not of the Lord, people, all right? So this morning, we're talking about fighting. And I am not a fighter. I actually hate fighting. I actually will do everything I can to avoid conflict. I am a chronicle, chronicle, I'm a chronological people pleaser. So when it comes to fighting, right when I say the word fighting, there's something in me that goes, oh, I don't like it. Let's be happy. Let's be friends. Let's be good. It reminds me of the first time I was ever almost in a fight. Notice I said almost in a fight. I just moved back from Europe. I was a, a junior in high school over at Jackson High School, and I'd just gotten back. I'd grown up overseas, and so I kind of had this weird, like, European slash American, th American thing going on. I was, like, rocking the sweater vest back in the day because I was like, that's what we were doing overseas. But I came back, and I realized people weren't rocking the sweater vest here at Jackson, and I was just a weird space, and I remember I was on this one trip, and this, um, this one girl's like, hey, just talking about her boyfriend, and I wasn't trying to be mean or anything, but I said, hey, your, your boyfriend kind of sounds like a tool. I'm like, he's not like, I just feel like you could maybe do better. I was trying to give good biblical wisdom to this, to this girl. So that next Friday night, my friends were like, hey, we're going to go over to, uh, it was actually like a kind of a boat party over Lake Cable, and we're over there, and I'm there, I'm near the bonfires, a boat, and all stuff, and all of a sudden, I hear I hear this really loud person in like the driveway. And I noticed something about this person. I noticed that his voice was deeper than my voice. 
I noticed that like as he got bigger, I could only see his like silhouette. And I noticed that this person's voice is deeper and this person's silhouette is larger. And as he got closer, he's yelling something. I could tell he's a little bit drunk. I could tell he's not all there and he's yelling something. And then I realized what he's yelling. He's yelling, where is Taylor Williams? Where, and he threw a little other explicitives in to describe me. Where is this Taylor Williams guy? Now, church, in that moment, everything I'm going to teach you in the next, like, 20 minutes or so, I threw all out the window. Because in that moment, I had an option. Option one, stand up and fight. Amen? <laughs> I know you guys are like, don't, don't do it. I thought about it. I'm going to stand up and fight. I'm going to establish my place here at Jackson High School, and I'm going to take this giant Goliath down. It was a fleeting moment. I then thought, you know... It might not even be the same Taylor Williams. <laughs> Maybe there's multiple Taylors. Maybe Taylor's a really popular name here in Jackson. I don't know. So for a fleeting moment, I thought, ah, I'll just kind of sit back and watch what happens. Fleeting moment. The next moment had probably the most realistic thing. I decided to maybe not stand up and fight. I decided maybe not to stick around and prove my manship. I decided to flee. And I decided to run faster than I'd ever run before. And I decided to run out of the backside of Lake Cable. I was ready to swim across the other side of Lake Cable, if that was the case, to get away from the impeding danger that was coming my way. Now, church, you can all look at me for a second and go, man, you're kind of weak. What's going on? You should stand up and fight, this and that. I'm not a fighter. I'm a passive aggressive avoider. Can I make the argument here this morning that every single one of us are in a fight? Every single one of us right now are fighting something. Could be fear. Could be anxiety. Could be depression. Could be anger. It could be shame. It could be embarrassment. Could be fear of the future, doubt, wonder, questions, fear of loved ones. Fear of what's going to happen, fear of kids. How many people have kids in high school and younger right now? Yeah, crazy, crazy. What if, what's going to happen? I think every one of us has something that we're fighting, and I'm so thankful this morning that God's word here in Joshua gives us an incredible glimpse of what I'm arguing five ways. If you're a note taker, you should really like this, because there's going to be five things. I have preached too many messages in my life where I preached for like 40 minutes and I just had a blast and I get off the stage and my wife goes, where was the point? So I'm learning to give points. All type A people said, yeah, you note takers, you love you. So I'm going to talk to you about five ways to fight God's way. And what I want us to do in our text this morning is to think about this concept of fear. Think about this concept of how I'm naturally going to fight. And the question we're going to have to wrestle with is, am I fighting my way? Or am I going to fight God's way? You probably know the context of Joshua very well. It's a, it's a story of a unique man that's been following for many, many years. I'm sure you know the context from the previous weeks. And one of my favorite texts in all the Bible is not the text that we're going to start in this morning, but I think it's important that we capture. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to the book of Joshua. And we're going to be hanging out in Joshua chapter 5, but I think it's important that we pick it up in Joshua chapter 1. 
In Joshua chapter 1, it kind of lays the context of what we're about to see in Joshua chapter 5 about this incredible fight that's about to take place. It's like an epic fight. It's like a fight that Hollywood should probably get a hold of and begin to like describe it and play it out a little bit. But in chapter 1, the author says this, after the death of Moses... Moses was the leader, had been leading uh, the Israelites for, for multiple years, at least we know the last 40 years in particular. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord, listen, this is so crazy, the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord spoke to him very direct, said to Joshua, son of Nun, he says this, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead, now then. Church, I think it's two of the best leadership words we have in all of Scripture. He says, Joshua, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. I think as we set the stage for what we're going to see in Joshua chapter 5 here in a minute, some of us need to take a quick account of where we're at with Jesus right now. Because who this scripture is talking to, God is talking to his chosen person. He's talking to someone that has been called out from darkness into a marvelous kingdom of light. He's talking to a person that has been chosen, that's been set apart. And he says this, now then, it's your time. Now then, it's your turn. Now then, and what he's saying is this. Stop looking at others. Stop looking left and right. Stop looking behind you and in front of you. Now then, it's your time to respond to the message I'm about to give you. And I think it's a message, before we even get into the message, that we all have to find ourselves, is regardless of how old you are, whether you just came to Christ as a young person or you've been walking with Christ for 60, 70, 80 years, when's the last time you embraced your now then moment? Now then, it's a message coming to you. Everybody tracking with that? Whole list of things we could talk about Joshua. Why it's overwhelming to have those now then moments. But that's the moment that guides us into chapter 5. In chapter 5, we pick it up in verse 1. And he says this. Now, Joshua... Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we crossed over, it says their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So what's happening is they've been traveling for 40 years. You guys know the story. You're well-trained and disciplined in disciple church. They've been traveling for 40 years. They've been waiting for 40 years for the promised land, this and that. Now then, it's Joshua's turn. Moses is gone. It's time to step up. It's not time to sit down. It's not time to go backwards. It's now time to boldly move forward. And there's a sense of anticipation. There's a sense of excitement of what's about to happen. But I want us to see that fighting God's way, point number one, if you will, is that what God does is he gives us a beautiful new perspective that's available to us. I think we have a slide for that. Do we have a slide for that, point number one? Yes. We get a perspective about the battle. Whenever we begin to fight God's way, children of God, I invite you to realize that no matter what battle you're facing, the first thing God's going to give us, he's going to give us a new perspective. And what did he tell Joseph? Joseph, listen. Listen. 
There is a fight coming your way, but let me tell you what God has already done and what I've already done. It says their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Church, I wonder if this morning as we talk about the battle you're facing, wouldn't it be fun to pass the microphone around this morning and be like, hey, I just want to love about Jesus. Hey, Jesus is amazing. Let's pass it again and say, what are you facing right now that feels too big for you to deal with? What fight are you trying to fight right now that you're employing every single ounce of what you're trying to put into it? And it's leaving you feeling overwhelmed. It's feeling you, leaving you feeling anxious and depressed and downcast. The first principle Joshua, God wants Joshua to know is like, I have this. God wins. The battle is mine. I'm going to do the work. You have to trust me. Amen? Are we okay with saying God wins this morning? Are we okay saying that no matter what happens this side of heaven, God wins? Amen? God wins. That's what last Sunday was for us. It was the banner week, the banner Sunday that we celebrate as a biblical community across this side of heaven, all Christians to say God wins. God wins. God wins. It's a new perspective that he gives us that we have to be able to begin to embrace. Their hearts melted. They no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. It goes on, though, and this is where I think Steve is laughing in heaven right now, because he says this in verse 2. Not only, says church, when you fight my way, I want you to get a new perspective. He's now going to call us to a personal commitment that I'm not sure we're all ready for. You guys ready for this, church? You might as well just say yes, because it's coming. <laughs> verse 2, he said this. Joshua's fired up. The people are excited. You can hear like Eye of the Tiger playing in the background. It's time. Rocky's ready to take down the dude from Rocky Four, whatever his name was. <laughs> Verse 2 says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua's ready to fight. Joshua's ready to do what he does. Joshua was a great military leader. Joshua's ready thinking through strategy. He's thinking through resources. He's thinking through leadership development. He's thinking through all the things it's going to take. And this is what the Lord said. Joshua, I want you to make flint knives. And I want you to circumcise the Israelites all over again. So Joshua made flint knives and he circumcised the Israelites at Gebeth Harloth. Church, let me tell you what just happened. He is getting ready for a fight. He has a few army people with him, and we're going to talk about who's with him. And instead of getting them swords, giving them resources, giving them everything he does, you know what God tells to Joshua? He says, I want you to take knives. This is crazy. And he says, I want you to turn them on yourself. Now, you guys might be holier than me, and I'm sure you are in many ways. Church, I'm not okay with that response from God. I have been waiting 40 years. I have been fighting and waiting, and you just told me the hearts of the people that I'm going to face have been melted. Their courage is gone. Every part of me says, now is the time to attack now is the time to overcome. Now is the time to stand up as children of God and defeat our enemies that are coming against us. And God says, no. 
No, here's what I want you to do first and foremost. I want you to really consider what your personal commitment is, not to the battle, what your personal commitment is to me. You see, church, God wins, amen? God wins. God wins. God's won. God always will win. I lose that so much from point one to point two because I think the battle that I'm fighting is all about God's victory. And I gotta defend God. And I gotta step up for God. And God's going, Taylor, son, I've already won. I got this. What I'm asking of you is do you trust me? Are you personally fully committed to fighting my way? My goodness, he calls for a commitment. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, don't, don't get swords and everything ready to go. He says, I want you to make flint knives, and I want you to circumcise the Israelites again. If you're a child in here, not in children's ministries, you can talk to your parents after lunch about what circumcision is. I give you full permission, because we're not going to touch that right now. But it's a painful process. It's not natural. There's a cutting of flesh. There's an intense divine surgery that begins to happen that's going to leave people rendered pain. And they're going to be down for a number of days and weeks. And it says they're going to have to heal. And this is what's so crazy about it. He says, at the time, this is what happened. So Joshua made foot knives and he did it. Verse 3, let me just say this, fighting God's way requires absolute obedience. If I'm Joshua and I'm ready to go, I'm ready to fight, I'm ready to do it, and God says, lays down that command, how many of us in here would go, okay, let's do it. I don't know who your next senior pastor is going to be, but wouldn't it be a great moment if he stands up? Now we're not going to talk about circumcision for a moment. But what if he stands up and he says, hey, I'm so glad to be in mission view with you all. It's so great. I'm excited to be part of it. But here's my first degree. The Lord told me to. And he lays down something that goes so contrary to what every other church in the world is doing. That is so contrary to what every single person wants. For us today, I think it has something to do with finances probably. I think it has something to do with security. And God would put on the heart of your next leader something so audacious, so ridiculous, that he says, first thing you want to do, we're going to switch up this tithing model. We're going to start bringing 90%, and we're going to begin to live off 10%. Amen? What? You see how this works? But it all belongs to God, doesn't it? Amen? It's getting quiet, Mission View. What's happening right now is we're starting to embrace the tension of fighting God's way. Because in some ways, I'm like, God wins. It's all God's. Yeah. I'll give my 10%. I'll live off my 90, but it's all God's, so I'll switch it. I'll, I'll give 90%. I'll live off 10. No. Uh-uh. That's not the way we do it here in America. That's not the way we do it in North America. Joshua's people, I'm sure, had that same thought. God's people are ready. Let's do this. God is forced. He's melted the hearts of everybody. Why are we doing this? Church, I learned a long time ago, I need to throw why out when it comes to my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about why, it's about what now. Because my why turns into what, which turns into doubt almost every time for me. First-time obedience is something we teach our kids. Parents, how many first-time obedience people do we have in here? Four of you. All right. Our next generation's in trouble. First-time obedience is horrible, isn't it? Kids, it's time to go to bed. 
Kids, brush your teeth. Kids, do that. Kids, do that. Kids, do that. How many, how many of you have had to say it four times and five times and six times? This is the tension that we have we're growing up with. This is the tension Joshua's facing. But I love Joshua chapter five, uh, chapter 5, verse 3. Now Joshua made flint knives and he did it. Now this is great. This, let's, let's just dig in a little bit. Now why did he do it? Verse 4. Now this is why he did so. Thank you for explaining this. Please. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, this is what happened. They died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. Verse 5, all the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the desert for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So good, verse 7. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were at camp until they were healed. For some of you like theologians, I like trying to figure out what's going on and why this is happening. For the Israelite, this was a, a proven act of being separated for God's glory. It's something that they did to say the Egyptians mocked it. The Egyptians said, why would you ever do that? The Israelites said, we will do this because this is a way for us to be set apart for God's glory. It was an act of obedience. It was an act of being set apart. And what we get a glimpse of what's been happening the last 40 years that's in the desert, we sometimes look at this 40-year experience and we go, oh my goodness, they're complaining about the manna. Oh, wow, what's wrong with them? Let me tell you, these, these, these people that were wandering through the desert, they had lost all perspective. They'd lost so much perspective and hope in God. They'd lost so much perspective in the fact that God was with them and guiding them that they actually stopped doing the central thing that was supposed to be their guide from the beginning, which is when our children come into this world, we're going to circumcise them on this eighth day so the next generation will know this is who we are. This is our God. Deuteronomy 6, 5, the Shema. We will love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. These people have negated that. They had given up hope. They stopped fighting God's way, and they began to fight their way. Now, church, we don't do that, do we? No. No way. No, I still raise my children unto the Lord. Church, I grew up like self-confession and way to go mom and dad. I was in the church three, five times a week growing up. Any other church kids like that growing up? Yeah, I hated it back then. We, we had, we had, my church was so hip, we had Friday night skate night. We didn't have a gym. We had a skating arena at the top of our church. Uh-huh. So cool. Yes, we were hip. So Friday night, we had skate night with fried chicken. We were living in the South. It's all going to come. It's all going to make sense. Sunday morning, I was there in the morning. Sunday night, I went back for, for training union and all the different things we called it. Wednesday night, I went back. We had this. Sometimes we had special prayer meetings on Thursday night. And Wednesday night, my parents were in choir practice. So I'd run around the church all night while they're in choir practice. I was constantly at church. My parents raised me to avoid all PG movies. It was like G only, G only. But what about this? What about that? Avoid, avoid, avoid. But, but, but no, avoid. Drinking? Are you kidding me? 
This is not a drinking session. But they raised me to be very aware of the things that God was for, seemingly, and things that I need to be very careful of. So when I look at my kids today, and I look at the things that I've, I've kind of I've stepped back, if you will. I've kind of said, it's, it's, it's no big deal. I mean, I mean, everyone's doing it. Our churches today, we, we can hardly get people here on Sunday morning, let alone like Sunday night. What? Wednesday night? Are you kidding me? We, we don't want to call people out. We want to send people out. I get that. I'm all about that. I'm, man, missional living, that's my heartbeat. That's my middle name. Like, cut me open. You're going to see missional blood run out of, my, out of my veins. My question is, have we been so focused on mission that we have negated the holiness of our God? We've been so focused on going to others that we've negated being set apart for the glory of God. Church, anybody tracking with this? Tough crowd, I can feel it, I know. God said, you want to fight my way? You have to have a new perspective, I win. Now, if I win, it's not about the fight. If I win, it's about your interaction and relationship with me. And I want my children to be set apart. I want them to be different. I want them to look different. I want them to act different. I want them to spend their money different. I want them to fight different. I want their marriages to be different. I want their kids to be different. Yeah, but, but if, we, if we make our kids too different, they're going to be fun of, and they're going to be bullied, and they're going to be called out. Yeah, yeah, they are. But I win. But I win. Teach them that. Teach your kids that. God wins. Be different for God's glory. Be willing to make a fool of yourself for God's glory. Be willing to, as Daniel said, be willing to, 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 to only eat water, drink water, and eat vegetables when everyone else is doing this. And watch what God does. Dare to be Daniels. Dare to stand out. Dare to be different. Church, where has that message gone? Because God says, if you want to fight my way, I'm going to ask, what's your personal commitment to who I am in your life? And he tells a whole new generation that says, I know your grandparents got it, but I know your parents missed it. And I'm sorry your parents missed it. I'm sorry your parents gave up. I'm sorry your parents stopped looking for the cross. I'm sorry your parents stopped seeing me through the manna that was coming. I'm sorry your parents lost me, but I'm telling you right now, I'm not done with you. Amen? So he says, Joshua, I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to go against every single military part of your body. I'm going to ask you not to get ready to prepare for battle. I'm going to ask you to turn the sword on your soldiers. And it funny, it says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, which we all love, but also says it's a sword. And it pierces deeper than anything else humans can ever come up with. Isn't it fascinating when we turn the Bible, it sounds horrible, but we invite ourselves into God's word, no matter what generation that we're dealing with, no matter what place in history we're in, no matter what place around the world we're in, when we teach God's word, the, the divine spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to penetrate us, cut us, if you will. And what the spirit of God forever cuts away are things that are not of God. God. Does it hurt? Yeah. Is it a good pain? Yeah. 
You want to fight God's way? You got to get a new perspective. You want to fight God's way? You need to really consider your personal commitment. And we got to cruise these last three. You guys ready? Anybody? Ready? Are you with me, Mission View? I know. This is why I'm not a good point guy. I'm trying. Okay. He says this, not only about personal commitment, he says this, I want to ask about your corporate pursuit. I love the corporate pursuit. Here's what he says. So he's got everyone, they're like, man, I'm like, Joshua, what's going on? You just cut me. I'm sitting there burning a hill and I'm ready to go to fight, but I'm sitting here like healing what's happening. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. And he says, on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. We don't have a ton of time to hang out with this, but I just want to make mention that sometimes we can look at fighting God's way. This is very personal thing. It's a personal commitment, personal commitment. I love the fact that Joshua then says, listen, not only are we going to begin to be healed personally, this is not just a personal thing. This is a corporate thing. This is something that we are going to do together, and we're actually going to celebrate Passover together. What was Passover? The day after Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. Verse 12, the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of of Canaan. You want to fight God's ways, get a new perspective, God's wins. You want to fight God's way, he's going to say, what's your personal commitment to me? He's always going to ask. You want to fight God's way, he's going to talk about, hey, listen, are you doing this alone or are you doing this together? Are we in this together? Are you corporately together? Passover was one of those distinctives, just like circumcision was. It was one of the distinctives of God's people. It's when the, God called out the people from Egypt, and, and he called the Israelites to, to put the blood of a lamb over their door, and he says, the evilness is going to pass by you. And for the rest of your life, I want you to know that we're going to celebrate Passover, and we're going to remember what God did for you. This is not a personal thing. This is a corporate thing. For all of those people in our lives that says, I don't need church. I only need podcasts. I don't need church. I only need to sit and go online. I love podcasts. I love the new online movement. I love all that. My question is this. We were not created to do any of this by ourselves. Amen? Not created that way. Even in the bone back of thousands of years, Joshua says, personally, where are you at with God? Corporately, where are we at with God? Not only these jokers in the desert stopped circumcising these, uh, their kids, these jokers stopped actually celebrating Passover. They just gave it all up. I could go into a whole teaching about the connection between Passover and communion that we take today. Very numerous similarities that we could go through charts of seven, eight, ten connections of how Passover is very similar to our contemporary communion. We do this in what? In remembrance of me. And training our kids is not about just taking a wafer that's usually stale and gross and taking some some, um, grape juice that we usually don't even like. And you tell your kids, they're like, oh, why do we do this? We tell our kids it's not about this. It's about that. What is that? It's about the fact that God so loved us that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. And God will forever be with us. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. God wins. Kids, how committed are you to that? Parents, how committed are you to joining a church that lifts up the name of Jesus, no matter the crisis, but at all costs, lifts up that name? 
And that's what Joshua's doing here. That's what God's doing through Joshua. He's saying, listen, I'm trying to set a new generation apart. I know you're ready, Joshua. I know you're ready to fight, but you gotta do it my way. And in my pursuit, you're gonna have to identify who's really in. (laughs) This is a total side note. It's a great leadership note, though. Joshua didn't really walk around and go, hey, who's in? Hey, who wants to be circumcised? We're going to form a line here if you want it. Don't you love the boldness of Joshua? I heard from God. This is what God said. If you're going to go in, if you're going to be with us, this is what it's going to take. Who's in? Church, I wonder sometimes we've lost our courage. Have we lost our boldness? We've tried to be so loving to people in our lives. I've said it before, we can love people right to hell if we're not careful. Our job is not just to constantly be loving people and giving acts of service and kindness and buying Starbucks and passing it forward. Our job at some point, at some point in our journey, is to have the boldness and the courage to say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. If you want to go with me to eternity, you got to come through him. Do you know him? Then let's go. In most churches, that would be an amen. So they celebrated Passover. Only three times in 40 years, people way smarter than me wrote about. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce and the manna that had been guiding them for 40 years, church stopped. He provided them a new way of doing things. He provided them a new way of considering the way God was doing it. For 40 years, God has said, this is the way we're going to do it. We're going to provide manna when you need it most. This is all you're going to get. This is what you're going to get. You're going to get. God began to do a new thing. And these people had to cling to a new way. Some of you hate change, don't you? I would think if you're actually here, you probably like change. Because to be part of a church plant, it's like a lot of change. Amen? You guys are like, amen. It takes an openness. It takes a willingness. There's some churches in this world that don't like change. They hate it. There's a lot of people that went, man, I've been getting food for 40 years. I didn't like that. Now you're switching on me. I don't like that either. How many people know grumpy people in their life? Yeah. They're just grumpy about everything. It's sunny out. It's too sunny. It's cold out. Too cold. Snow. Hate it. Rain. Worst. Like, what do you like? Right? This is what's going on. What I love about this text, though, about the manna, I think it's important that I, I, was, I was just amazed by it. For 40 years, they didn't do what God wanted. For 40 years, no circumcision. For 40 years, no Passover. For 40 years, they did, they fought the way they wanted to fight. But God in his goodness and God in his grace, he never gave up on them, did they? For 40 years, he still provided everything they needed, despite their every effort to push them away. Some of you have kids that have been running from the Lord for over 40 years. And you're like, I think time's running out. I think it's too late. I just don't know if they've done everything they can to push God away. Can I tell you, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up of inviting people into a relationship with Jesus because Jesus, I promise you, as long as they're here on earth, has not given up on them. For 40 years, he provided manna to a group of people that didn't want it. 
for 40 years, he provided everything they needed because he was setting them up for this very moment of trying to teach them how to fight. So we land the ship with this. Man, I could teach them stuff forever, but we got to close it. Verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? One minute of context here, Joshua has done everything he's supposed to do. He responded, he circumcised his men, he, he provided Passover, he's done everything seemingly right. Church, have you ever been in that place where you've done everything right and all of a sudden that moment of doubt blows in? I feel like Joshua's kind of out on his own right now. He's kind of away from his people. He's, he's just trying to think through. He's looking over into Jericho. He's looking at the Canaanites. He's looking at the, he's heard about the walls, the, the, the strength of their walls. He's, he's looking at the, the size of the people they are ready to fight. He's looking at the, the ill equipment that he has. He's, he's thinking through all of the human strategies still. Am I mad at Joshua? No. Joshua's human. I love the Bible. It's a story that I can find myself in so well. And Joshua's out there debating, and Joshua's out there wondering. I have a feeling Joshua's out there maybe even starting to doubt of going, what is this? And just the right time, he looks up, and what does he see? He sees a person with a drawn sword. In that moment, he has a response, kind of like I did my junior year of high school. I'm either going to stand up and fight this person, I'm going to deny this person's even here, or I'm going to run away from this person. Sometimes when you've been in the process of learning to fight God's way, church, you get to the place where you just go, where else can I go? What else is there? So here's what I love. We end with this. He looks at it and Joshua asks a great question, very military-like question. He said, listen, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Look at verse 14 in the NIV. This is like a drop-the-mic moment for this man. He goes, neither. What in the world? You guys see it? He says, neither. He replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, and he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Church, I think when we begin to fight God's way, one of the last things we, God provides for us is amazing power of just being present with the Lord all over again. This incredible peace that's available to us. Here's what I love about this last scene. From the opening scene, Joshua's all getting ready. Now then it's your turn. He's getting all churned up and let's do this, let's do this. And God says, I have melted the hearts. I have done it. What's Joshua done? Nothing. God says, I have done this. He then looks at Joshua and he says, if you trust me, here's some things I want you to do. Personal commitment, corporate commitment, considering a new way of doing stuff. And in the end, he sends a messenger and this messenger says, hey, I'm neither for you or against you. Here's what he says, I'm with God. I'm not for you or against you. And what he says is, it's so amazing. He says he drew his sword. 
Such a beautiful idiom of telling Joshua, you don't even have to pull your sword. I got this. You know what he says to Joshua? This is crazy. Ready, ready, ready? He says, this isn't even about you. My king, my God has sent me on, I don't even know if it's your behalf, their behalf. I don't even care whose behalf it is. I work for the Lord. I do what the Lord wants. I do what the Lord wills. And I am here. I got this, Joshua. How many of you here this morning need somebody to show up in your life to say, I got this? Church, I am so prone to fight my way. My way is resources. My way is strategy. My way is, my way is, my way is uh, uh, pulling people together and networking. My way, my way, my way. And there's nothing wrong with those ways, but they always have to be tethered with God's way. And God's way is typically 180% challenge, 180% directional difference than my way. But in the end, God says, listen, Taylor, what if the fight you're facing isn't even about you? What if it's about what I'm trying to do? The worship team's gonna come out and we're gonna end with a song this morning. And that song is simply, holy, holy, holy. And it's a way to recapture and recounter what it is the holiness of God means to you. Church, we looked at five ways to fight God's way and I just wanna tell you, don't miss Jesus through all this. God melted the hearts of the people. You could also say God loved the world so much that he sent his only son. He calls for a personal commitment to be cut, to be set apart. You could clearly make an argument that he was pierced for our transgressions and that by his wounds we are healed. You could say he's invited us to consider Passover and he says, I'm building a church in which you will take communion and you will do all this in remembrance of me. And you could say, well, he's calling us to do a new way to eat the produce, no more manna. He's doing a new thing. And you can make the argument that he's created this weird thing called the church. And it's a new thing and it's a new way and it's a gathering of God's people all around the world to lift up the name of Jesus. And you could say, I'm gonna send the commander of my army and he's going to pull a sword out, and it's going to be your strength. It's going to be your peace. It's going to be your guide. It's going to be your release from anything you're facing. You can make an argument that Jesus said, greater things are coming. I will send my Holy Spirit, and my Holy Spirit will fight for you, and my Holy Spirit will go with you, and my Holy Spirit will never leave you nor forsake you. Church, are you fighting your way this morning? Are you fighting God's way? Father God, thank you for your willingness to not give up on us. Thank you for your holiness. A word that so many generations before us couldn't even utter yet. Jesus, because of you, you tell us that we can boldly come before your throne room of heaven. Through prayer and petition, we can just say, please, when our prayers don't even make sense and they're like groans and muttering and your Holy Spirit comes and interprets perfectly, 
our greatest needs, our greatest desires, our greatest wants to you, Jesus, who's firmly seated at the right hand of the Father, fighting our behalf, fighting for us, not against us. God, I pray for Mission View that those that are in this place this week, those that might download this in future weeks, that God, they would realize fighting our way gets us nowhere. It leaves us wondering. It leaves us confused. It leaves us full of doubt. It leaves us walking away from the things we know are true. But when we fight your way, God, you call us to remember that you win. You call us to a personal connection and commitment to you. You call us to a corporate presentation to come together God, you call us to consider new things that you are leading and guiding and ultimately you call us to remember your Holy Spirit. That peace that surpasses understanding can be with us in each and every fight. We will keep fighting until you return, Jesus. But help us fight your way. And all God's people said,